Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, our wheat farmers have some strategic thinking to do. Making the right moves could boost their yields and their return on investment. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Fly control technology for the prevention of fly populations in cattle herds. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Row crop producers are getting itchy to put seed in the ground. We'll have those stories and more from extreme South Texas. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack is one step closer to once again leading the USDA. Jessica Domel has the story. On Tuesday, the Senate Agriculture Committee approved Vilsack's nomination by the Biden administration. Vilsack told the committee that although it was Groundhog Day and he's once again up for the nomination, not everything is the same. I also realize that this is a fundamentally different time and I am a different person uh, and it is a different department. Vilsack said the pandemic, racial justice and equity and climate change must be priorities while USDA delivers safe and nutritious food, clean water and last mile broadband, energy security sound infrastructure, and business services. Vilsack's appointment as Secretary of Agriculture now moves on to the full Senate for its consideration. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. BASF has released two new Stoneville cotton varieties for Texas cotton growers. Western Region Agronomic Manager Kenny Melton says Stoneville 4993 B3XF is a strong performer in West Texas. It's been a great high yielder in the western regions especially. It is resistant to bacterial blight, and there's not a huge number of Extemplex varieties that are resistant to bacterial blight, so this is a plus for us. And it offers good storm tolerance. This is one of the things that makes it fit well uh, for the western U.S. is having that, uh, having that really good storm tolerance. The second new Stoneville variety is 5091B3XF. It's a good fit for south and east Texas with a strong fiber package and a good plant type for all soils. The Texas wheat crop is at a critical point in the growing season. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. As we move deeper into February, we are reaching a critical time for farmers seeking to capitalize on the current market situation and push their wheat onto grain harvest. By pursuing certain management strategies related to irrigation and fertilizer, farmers can hopefully boost their yields and the quality of their wheat. 
Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says a key thing to watch for is when wheat reaches the point of first hollow stem. And that is when that growing point is moving above the soil surface. And that's actually when we're determining the number of seeds per head. And Dr. Bell says get ready to act with regard to livestock. We definitely do not want to be grazing past first hollow stem. And even though we think about March 15th being our pull-off date, in warm conditions, we can see first hollow stem happening in mid to late February. And at first hollow stem, fertility takes on greater significance. That's when we see the nitrogen requirement for our wheat crop really take off. And we see a response to nitrogen top drift timing at this point. And Dr. Bell advises take the steps necessary to evaluate what's needed. Pulling a couple of soil samples is well worth the time and money. I always like to say that just $100 in soil samples can save you thousands of dollars in unnecessary fertilizer applications or help make several thousand dollars in extra grain production because you're going to get a return on that investment if it's done at the right time and the right rate. And of course, be thinking about irrigation. As wheat is transitioning into a reproductive stage, that water requirement is also going to start to pick up. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. South Texas row crop producers are ready to get seed in the ground. Jim Hearn reports from the Rio Grande Valley. The weather has been perfect for harvesting. Sugar cane, citrus, and vegetables. Morning lows, upper 50s. Daytime highs, upper 70s to low 80s. Since our last report, we've even had a couple of days that have hit the low 90s. The row crop planting season is about to kick off. Corn planting first, then sorghum, and last cotton. Now, because we have warm soils and a good five-day weather outlook currently, producers are really getting itchy to get seed in the ground. Well, the weather has been dry, so after planning, we could all use a good rain and, well, maybe cancel all the burn bans that still cover most of South Texas. Irrigation crews are still working overtime. We are going to have to water to get the row crops up, but we have plenty of water to do that. Citrus irrigation, back on a three-week schedule now, and sugar cane, well, let's just say the water flowing Get it as much as you can. Well, with no cold weather on the horizon, it looks like most valley points will have another uh, year with a low of about 36 degrees for the winter season. Well, a few points in the ranch country and north Hidalgo County did hit 32, but it was just once and for not very long. Water supplies at Amistad and Falcon continue adequate, but the valley, well, lives from rain to rain, so let's hope one uh, next wet spell is not too far off. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. Fly control in the cow herd can be a year-round endeavor here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Mark Upton. He is with Central Life Sciences, serving as Director of Sales for Feed Additives. And Mark, thanks for being with us uh, today as we talk about what you folks at CLS are doing with fly controlled technology for cattle. Well, thank you for having me. We actually at Central Life Sciences have two products that we market for cattle to prevent fly populations. One of those products is called Altacid, and it would be targeted to pastured cattle. When you put cattle on pasture, the number one pest is a horn fly, and Altacid has just great action against horn flies. 
The other product we have is called Clarifly, and it's designed more for animals in confinement. When you put animals up in confinement, they're too, typically going to have two or three different flies affect them, and Clarifly has a little different mode of action, works much better in those confinement situations. Both products really good, have, have a tremendous amount of, uh, of benefits, and a, a very good return on investment. Now, here in Texas, as you are well aware, it is the number one beef cattle producing state in the nation. Also, a lot of dairies are located in Texas. So these products are good for both beef and dairy cattle, correct? Absolutely. So we have a lot of customers in the state of Texas that have been using Altacid for their pastured cattle for many years. It's very easy to use if they're they're using a loose mineral supplement or a block and tub supplement or if they use liquid feed. Altacid is available on all those different different products. Uh, and yes, we have a big dairy business in Texas as well. Um, we've got a couple of, I guess we've got four reps actually in the state of Texas, and they would be calling on all the major feed companies and then also the large dairies and feedlots as well for both our feed additives. And then also we have some packaged goods too. I don't think uh, very many beef producers realize that the, the largest economic loss in North America is the horn fly. It's considered to be a billion dollars a year in economic losses to beef cattle in North America, just to horn flies. And most producers just don't realize that. So our biggest challenge is to uh, those, those beef cattlemen that just don't do anything for flies. They just don't think it's a big enough problem that they need to do anything. We've got to try to educate them and make them understand that they are actually absolutely getting profits robbed off the back of those cows by those flies because they only feed on blood and we need to do something to try to eliminate that. That is Mark Upton, Director of Sales for Feed Additives with Central Life Sciences. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're expecting some bitterly cold temperatures across the country in the next few days, so what effect will that have on cattle and wheat? USDA's Stephanie Ho takes a look from Washington. Extreme cold weather is coming to the country, but there is some good news for many winter wheat areas in the Midwest. Most of it is already protected by a snow cover, and there should be a little bit more coming in advance of this outbreak. So I think from a winter wheat standpoint, we should be pretty good. That was USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. One concern would be across the northern plains, where it will also be very cold, and we don't have a snow cover at present. And it looks like a lot of the storm that's coming up for Thursday into Friday will miss that area. So keeping an eye on places like Montana and the western Dakotas for the potential of some winter kill on wheat. He says the cold outbreak also will cause stress for livestock. Just like for all the humans out there, it has been a relatively easy winter to this point. Temperatures much above normal through December and January, especially across the northern plains and upper Midwest. And now we're going to see this shocking cold accompanied by some snow and wind. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Feral hog hunting may not be as effective long term as we thought. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And ice melting solutions that we use to get ice off of our cars and driveways here in the winter might be toxic to our pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. 
So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's the time of year when we get some ice on our cars, sidewalks, and driveways, and we can use some certain products to get that ice off. However, those products may be dangerous to our pets. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more. There are several different chemicals used to melt ice, including sodium chloride, potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, calcium carbonate, calcium magnesium acetate, and urea. Because there are so many different chemicals, it's important to pay attention to the ingredients of the product you are using. So if your pet ingests the product, your vet will know how to treat the intoxication. Sodium chloride is just table salt, but ingestion of a large dose can be deadly in dogs as the sodium level in the brain is increased and leads to swelling of the brain, which leads to neurologic symptoms. Potassium chloride exposure can lead to weakness, gastrointestinal signs, and also heart conduction disturbances. If the ice melt product contains magnesium chloride, increased magnesium levels can cause low blood pressure, cardiac abnormalities, and weakness. Ingestion of ice milk products that contain calcium carbonate and calcium magnesium acetate usually cause severe stomach irritation. Ice milk products that contain urea cause irritation in the oral cavity, increased salivation, and abdominal pain. So as you can see, there are lots of different chemicals in ice melting products and all require different treatment. If you notice your pet eating an ice milk chemical, call your vet with the ingredients in the product. Exposure to some chemicals can be decreased by inducing vomiting but vomiting should not be used with calcium carbonate and calcium magnesium acetate, as these products are severe irritants, and vomiting could lead to increased exposure and increased damage to tissues. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hog hunting is a lot of fun, and it's a way to keep the population down. However, it may not be as effective as a long-term control method as we originally thought. Jessica Domel takes a closer look in today's wildlife report. It is no secret there's a wild pig problem in Texas. There's millions of them, and they can easily destroy crops, pasture land, and yards in a single night. What can we do about it? Dr. John Tomachek, a wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says that while pig hunting may work for some landowners, it's not a high-volume removal method. We do know that shooting pigs, like you hunt one or two, it will run those animals off for a period of time, and they'll avoid that area, and then they'll come back later. So if you're trying to protect a sensitive crop, you might get a few weeks of protection out of doing some shooting. What we would prefer is to see that whole sounder removed. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, It's just we need to remove that group of pigs as a unit so that they don't learn what we're doing. And then in the future, our efforts are less successful because they teach one another. But also those pig sounders hold not traditional territories like you might think a coyote would, but they occupy a space and they defend that space. 
when you remove that group of pigs, you buy yourself time before damage comes back because it's not like, all right, I killed four out of eight, but I still have four. And six months from now, I'll have eight again because of reproduction. It's that we remove that issue for a while and then, yeah, it'll come back, but but it'll take some time. The methods by which you get that done, it's really flexible for the landowner. I always recommend corral style traps so we can catch a big group at once. Or if aerial gunning is right for you and you have an operator who is good at removing entire groups, that also works just fine. Which method works best for you depends on your location. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was another up and down day for the cattle market. We ended up closing mostly lower in both live and feeder cattle, but the cotton and grain markets moved higher. We'll take a complete look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another one of those mixed days in the cattle market where prices were higher at one point, lower at another point. We ended up closing mostly lower for the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle in negative territory. February live cattle down 50 cents at 115.47. The April down 7, 112.45. The June contract was actually higher. It was up 67 cents. 119.47. Feeder cattle lower, March down 60, 138.52. The April down 42 at 141.82. May feeders down 5 cents, 144.32. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Wednesday in the country. The feedlots asking 115 and higher. No bids reported yet from the packers. We did have the Wednesday online fed cattle exchange auction. We had 1,186 Texas cattle listed in that auction. 604 of those sold. They brought 113.75. Boxed beef prices lower. Choice down a dollar 34, 235.42. Select down 98 cents at 224.06. Now let's take a look at the auction barns with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle on a Wednesday, it's time to review the results of the sale in Mason yesterday from Ken Jordan's Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Saba. Ken, how did it go? You bet, Larry. We had right at 900 head. I thought overall the market this week opened up with a steady tone on all class of calves. Uh, I think the last couple of weeks we really had some good increases. I thought today stalker steers and heifers, they both sold pretty well, uh, fully steady. Had a group of steers weighed uh, 473 today at $1.72 a pound, $813 on those. I thought the bigger cattle, the feeder steers and heifers, they also sold fully steady uh, as compared to last week. Had six steers, weighed 778 pounds at $1.27 
right at $992 on those. Packer cows, they sold three to four higher again. Bulls sold steady. Pears and bred cows, they sold steady on limited test, Larry. Overall, a good sell today. A lot of good quality cattle and a lot of condition on the cattle, too. Preview San Saba for Thursday for us, if you will. You bet, Larry. We got a special stocker feeder sale. I know about 600 head already coming right now. Uh, one of the deals, uh, as far as somebody wanting some good Hereford heifers, we got about 60 head of them coming uh, off of the Bright Ranches. Uh, those heifers have all been weaned uh, since back in September, so they'll be ideal for an F1 program. Those will be there Thursday, along with a lot of good quality uh, of, uh, black, black baldy, uh, red, red baldy, and some exotic crosses. Cattle will be there, too, that we know of coming. A lot of cattle that are weaned, too, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. You bet, Larry. Give us a call, Larry. Go 325-372-5159. And some of our earlier offerings that people called in about, you can see them on our website also at jordancattle.com, Larry. Neighbor projected slaughter for fat cattle for Tuesday was right at 119,000 head. We'll hide and watch and see if they hit that mark. For Texas Farm Bureau Radio, I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to Walk in the Pens. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher. February up 82 cents, 72.37. April hogs up $1.12, 79.20. Class 3 milk was lower. February milk down 17 cents, 15.55. 100 weight. March milk down 17 at 16.08. Cotton and grains both closing higher. The cotton market finishing higher on a lower U.S. dollar and spillover support from the grains. March cotton up 30 points, 80.99. May up 28 at 82.33. New crop December cotton up 20 points, 78.91. Kansas City wheat getting support from the weather forecast. It looks like we have some very cold temperatures moving in across much of our hard red winter wheat growing areas. That caused July Kansas City wheat to move up seven and a quarter, 6.29 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up three cents. At 6.33. The corn market closed higher after China's big buying spree of corn last week. We're still feeling the effects of that. We had some record sales last week from China. March corn up 9 cents on Wednesday, closing at 5.52. The September up 5 and a quarter, 4.77. December corn up 4 at 4.51 a bushel. Let's check the energy markets. March natural gas down 7, 277. March crude oil up a dollar four, 55.80 a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 36 points, 30,723. The Nasdaq down to 13,610. The S&P 500 up three, 3,830. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.